0: Hey, I'm Daniel Snyder. This is Week in Bite. Today, I'm joined by Will Thompson, managing partner and founder over at Massive Capital. We've got a lot, of ca- a lot of ground to cover. U.S. markets, European recession fears, commodity prices, the strength of the dollar and more. So let's get into it. Will, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So I've got to start off. Obviously, a lot of data came out this week. We have had earnings. We've had the Fed raise rates. We've had GDP numbers. Let me just start with what's your macro kind of view of everything that's happening right now and where are we kind of headed with
1: in your opinion? Yeah, so I mean I think that um, certainly was an interesting week in terms of numbers and it certainly doesn't stop uh, stop with the Fed yesterday. We got CPI prints out of uh, Europe and Germany that were a surprise, a uh, little high, um, PMI numbers tomorrow. So I think there's a lot coming at everyone uh, from a macro perspective, the way we're looking at it, uh, is, you know, look, we've had, we have this little bounce here in the U S markets, but we have trouble buying that, that the bottom has been put in already. You look at past, uh, drawdowns and recessions, and, you know, we're maybe halfway through what we would expect to, to fully experience. So I, I think there's more risk to the downside and, you know, this tussle between, uh, this narrative that well, if if recession comes in, the Fed's going to pivot, and you know that's good for the market. So so buy the dip. Uh, not not really sold on that that thought process at this point. So you're
0: you're in the camp of a bear market rally, is what it sounds like. So when you're when you're talking about Powell and him coming out, of course the remarks that you were just talking about, how people are already considering when they're going to have to cut next. Right now, are you in that camp where what Powell said this week was more dovish in nature, or do you still think there's a hawkish undertow under what he said?
1: I mean, I think, you know, on a relative basis, compared to Fed statements at previous meetings, this is certainly a little more dovish. On an absolute basis, I still think this falls into the hawkish camp. Um, My expectation uh, and I am by no means a Fed watcher or an expert, but my expectation would be that, you know, they, they put in a 50 BIP, uh, the next hike is 50 BIPs. And, and that's certainly more dovish, but, you know, it's a bit of a relative basis. Uh, what people tell me and what I've heard uh, is that, you know, inside the Fed, everyone is just talking about we don't want to be the next Arthur Burns, which would be, you know, the, the Fed chair. Uh, when inflation kicked off in the sixties and seventies, um, and from a legacy perspective, one can certainly see why uh, Chairman Powell would not want to be remembered as the the Fed chair that let inflation sort of run wild. And um, once that inflationary psychology gets gets really embedded, it's very hard to uh, extract it. Um, so I I still expect them to target inflation. I'm not sure that their focus on prices, which is quite backwards looking, uh, is necessarily going to, you know, really allow them to address the inflation in any way other than with a, a bit of a sledgehammer, which is, is very, you know, it's tough on the economy, but, um, you know, these are, this is a supply driven inflationary issue from our perspective, uh, And the only thing the Fed's got is that sledgehammer. So I I think they're going to use it and continue to use it for a little while.
0: Yeah, and we're seeing it within, you know, the commodity complex, right? Everybody's been pointing out that the gas prices are coming down. I mean, AAA this week, they the average, I think, was dropping uh, $4.30 around the nation was what we had yesterday when we were doing a show. Um, just kind of curious because we you have thoughts on oil and the energy market as well. Even though gas prices come down for consumers, I've noticed personally diesel prices are still high. Mm-hmm. And those aren't really moving at all. And then you go around the grocery store and you can look at prices. Those prices are still up. They're not coming down. Is doesn't that have something to do with it? I, I know you kind of have a view that you know oil and energy were short on the supply. So
1: yeah, no, how do no. they tackle? I I think <clears throat> you know the Fed can't tackle those issues. It's just it's out of their hands. Um, the challenge with anything that's supply driven is it's a time issue. Uh, it's who can build a refinery? Well, in the United States, you can't build one, but you know you, you can't build refineries fast enough uh, to address the issue. Um, and I think diesel is definitely a refinery issue, not a, an oil supply issue. I think you know if we look at supply-demand imbalances in oil markets, you know it, the, these are tough numbers to read. You've got to give it, uh, you know, you, you got to sort of have wide error bars on either side of it. To say that we're in a rip roaring, you know, supply deficit, um, I, I don't think is accurate. Uh to say that the markets are tight is absolutely accurate. But you know, a tight market doesn't mean we need a hundred dollar barrel of oil. Um so I, I think there's weakness on oil to the downside. Uh not dramatically though. Um, you know, there's just no there, there's no issue producing more. The question is whether we can incentivize uh producers uh to grow and and i don't think the price of a barrel of oil is what's going to incentivize them at this point um so we're, we're probably stuck with the current supply we've got until there's a change in the regulatory and political environment uh that allows producers to to sort of sit back and say okay this is an environment with a administration or political backing that that uh, can allow us to grow our businesses
0: Well, let's get your, your take. Are we headed towards a recession? And if so, is it, is it shallow or deep?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, this is a big question. So one thing we did this year or this, this past quarter was we took uh, a look at the S and P, um, on real versus nominal basis. And what happens when you throw inflation into the mix is quite suddenly the, uh, you see these bear market trends that occurred in the 30s and the 70s um, that don't show up when you're looking on, looking at the market on a nominal basis. Um, and those trends were long-term bear market trends that had intermediate bull and bear market rallies in them. Um, I'm of the mind that we might be tipping into one of those longer-term bear market trends Especially if we continue to have sort of supply side inflationary pressures that create inflationary volatility. I'm not expecting like high sustained, you know, six, seven, eight percent inflation just for the next 10 years, but that you see a lot of inflation volatility, which is even worse for a lot of companies than actual outright stable inflation. Um uh, <clears throat> I see a, a bear market and a recession um and i see the recession as, as being you know fairly fairly deep and severe
0: now let's double down on that because you you talked about volatile inflation um and how damaging that is to companies especially probably small companies right small businesses mm-hmm. that might have started during the pandemic and people are still trying to figure out um how they're going to source their inputs um are, are we talking about seeing inflation numbers come down and the market getting excited, potentially, and then potentially seeing those inflation numbers go back up and then having another freak out. Is that the fluctuation that we're going to see through the bear market?
1: I mean, that would be my that, that's kind of our base case. Uh, right. At the moment, you, you know, the thing with with supply driven inflation uh, is that it comes and goes right as the the supply is addressed or as demand gets crushed in, in individual silos related to specific. Uh, commodities or inputs. Now energy is a tough one because it's an input into everything. Um, but as we go throughout the rest of the decade, you know we look at you know copper issues in the, the latter half of the decade. We look at nickel issues, steel, aluminum, et cetera. Um, all these you know critical inputs into society uh, are, are in short supply and we're not building out the facilities uh, to, to grow that supply. Um, and those will come in inflationary pulses uh that that drive you know inflation in different components of the economy even if it isn't necessarily you know fully widespread throughout the economy like 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 it is today uh but to the degree that energy remains um you know in short supply that that'll keep uh inflation, up a little higher, let's say above the 2% target. uh, And then you layer on top of that, the pulses from other shortages, and you're going to get that volatility, I would think.
0: Yeah. You're talking about the shortages of the tin and the copper and all these precious metals that we use as inputs. Obviously we see what the government's trying to do by passing, you know, bills and funding for semiconductors who, you know, semiconductors use a lot of these metals Mm -hmm. uh, or EV vehicles. So if we're going to continue to see this shortage of supply without the, the investment into helping get more of those minerals out of the earth, I mean, are we kind of backward? Are, are we funding the wrong thing, I guess, is my question in, in regards to that?
1: I, I absolutely think we are. Um, and, and I think to make matters worse, it's not necessarily a question of funding. Um, <clears throat> you know, like if the bill or the bill that's making its way now through the Senate uh, last night um, with Schumer and. Uh, the West Virginia Senator uh, Manchin, um. You know, they're talking about providing all sorts of incentives to build out renewables. Uh, There doesn't need to be any incentive to build out renewables. There doesn't need to be uh, any money from the government to build out renewables. Uh, There there doesn't need to be any money to build copper mines. The money is there. The question is whether this environment is one which companies can make those large investments and whether the permitting and regulatory side of this allows those types of investments to go through i mean even on the renewable side which you think okay the government's all behind that there are a thousand gigawatts uh of renewable electricity projects sitting in the interconnection queue which is basically if you want to build a project you need to hook it up to the grid hooking stuff up to the grid requires all sorts of testing to make sure the grid you know to, sort of can handle what you're attaching to it. Um, meanwhile, w- our power stack in the United States is like 1,200 gigawatts. So we have enough projects sitting in the pipeline um, to, to basically like double our electricity capacity. Uh, meanwhile, the time it has taken to get hooked up to the grid has gone from two years to almost four years. Uh, permitting for a mine, when we look at copper and look at the sort of cupboard of potential projects, uh, world-class copper assets, there are a couple in the United States. When are they gonna get built? How are they gonna get built? Uh, The money's there, but these things can't get permitted. And every time they take a step forward with a permit, uh, someone comes around and sues them for something else. Um, So it's it's really not a question of money. The government is coming in there and, you know, they're swinging the hammer that they've got, but it's the wrong hammer. and they're not helping the situation they're they're frankly juicing it up uh in the wrong places and what we really need is some sensible regulatory and permitting uh changes um we've got all the tools we got all the money uh we just need to allow companies to do what they want to do
0: yes that's a really good point and, and i think it's uh you know we talk about globalization of markets and obviously moving into renewables and, and tapping the LNG that we have here in America and now exporting a ton of that to Europe, trying to help Europe out. Um, obviously, I know you watch Europe as well. What's your thoughts with what's going on over there? Is there going to be a contagion effect from the, the recession that Europe's probably already in, if not going into?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're definitely very concerned about Europe, um, <clears throat> you know, I. It, Europe was in a bad place already. And then you threw in top uh, on top of this uh, the, the Russia issue. Um, now, I think the Russian issue and energy in Ukraine, that has just accelerated all the problems that they've had. Uh, I would tend to agree with you. They're probably already in a recession. This winter is gonna be a really tough winter. I'm not probably telling anyone anything they don't already know. Um, but they are heavily reliant and increasingly heavily reliant on the United States and places like Qatar uh, for LNG. They just can't, again, going back to that sort of time to build problem that I mentioned, all of these issues require time to resolve themselves because, you know, you have to physically build infrastructure. Uh, These are not technological problems that someone in Silicon Valley sitting behind a computer can solve with a couple of lines of code. Um, these are, you know, billion-dollar refineries, billion-dollar pipelines, etc. And so, from a U.S. perspective, um, you know, as a very large trading partner with the EU, uh, we need to be concerned with their economy because of the potential for blowback. You look at things like, for instance, chemical production, BASF, and and uh, there's a great uh, substack um, written by uh, uh, Doomberg. Um, that covers a lot of this material and you can you can find them on Twitter. Um, but uh, you know BASF is one of the largest chemical producers in the world and one third of all they produce is produced in Europe on the basis of cheap Russian natural gas. Um, we import uh, 26, $27 billion of chemicals a year from Europe uh, to the degree that Europe can't produce those chemicals because of energy the cost of those chemicals goes up and that's an inflationary pulse back to the United States. Uh, We need more pipeline capacity here in the US for natural gas. We need more natural gas production, not only for domestic consumption, but also to export to Europe. Um, We are an interconnected system and, and we need to start thinking a little more holistically about the system
0: so when we're talking about in, in essence for our audience and u.s investors in general you're it sounds like you're saying and please clarify if, I, if i'm not picking this up correctly is we need to be watching europe because yeah. europe what happens in europe will de- directly affect our markets and that might be the second blow that could potentially be another leg lower in the markets absolutely, absolutely. Okay good i just wanted to clarify that now when we're talking about the strength of you know our central bank and the fed coming out and raising rates and seeing the gdp print of negative 0.9 percent um kind of not as bad as some thought but of course worse than the the camp that had the the half a percentage point positive um we're seeing the fluctuation in the u.s dollar now and obviously the currency market and the strength of the u.s dollar is going to hurt the emerging markets and everything else. Um, do you think that the strength of the US dollar is going to come back down? Or, is, or are we in a full bull run with the US dollar?
1: I mean, we've certainly had a bull run already. Um, you know, it, it's tough, I think. the uh, It's tough to see a reason why the dollar doesn't continue to strengthen. At the same time, the move has already been quite dramatic. Uh, but to the degree that, you know, our rates remain high, um, especially relative to other places. I, I mean, Europe, you know, they, they've just gotten back to zero, um, to the degree that, you know, the U S remains healthier. Um, even if on a relative basis, uh, the dollar is probably going to remain strong and, and that's going to be very tough for, um, it's going to be very tough for, for markets globally.
0: Yeah. Let's translate all of this. So we've talked about the macroeconomic view. We talked about all the things that are affecting our markets that everybody's got eyes all over. Obviously, there's always a place to make money in the market, whether it's you know the upside, the bulls, or the bears, or the downside. What are you favoring right now in this environment? Could you share any specific names, or you just want to give something that investors need to you know a good reminder at this point?
1: Yeah. So I mean, I think um, there's definitely some places to be. Looking in U.S. energy, especially on the natural gas front and the midstream sector, um, you know, there's a couple of opportunities uh, specifically related to build out of LNG infrastructure. And I would point to names like um, Accelerate Energy, ticker symbol EE in the United States. I'd also point to a couple of, you know, a, a little trickier, but somewhat interesting uh, opportunities in global oil and natural gas, something like uh, Argentina's YPF. Um, you know, I would be very cautious and careful with entries and, and sort of absolutely average in, don't take big slugs here. Um, uh, but, but those would be places I'd be looking in the United States. We in general have been making reasonable money short Europe, specifically industrials and energy intensive industries. Uh, I won't go over any specific names, but, you know, anything in Italy right now, that's energy intensive, um, you know, and, and has got a questionable balance sheet is, is potentially shortable. I would, in these particular markets, um, a you've got to do your homework. You can't just go plowing in, uh, and B we have to be very cautious and just very careful. I think again, in, to, to the degree that this looks like a bear market sort of rally, uh, we can expect another leg down, I think. And and so averaging into whatever you're looking at um, is important. I still think, you know, gold has had a really rough go of it. And to the degree that the dollar remains strong, that's probably an anchor on gold, but there are several gold names that have just that whole sector, precious metals has just gotten washed out in entirety. Now it may have further to go, but now is not necessarily a bad time to start nibbling around the edges of some interesting uh, positions. Companies like Equinox, who, who, you know, are growing production um, and admittedly might have some inflationary issues in their current build out. Uh, but companies like that are now trading. Equinox is a position we have, by the way, um, just for complete transparency. Uh, but it's now trading uh, below their uh below where they were trading uh, before they had any mines up and running. And now they have six or seven mines up and running. I I mean, um, there are a couple of pockets of the market that are really cheap. They might get cheaper. So again, you leg in. But um, uh, those are some of the places I'd be looking.
0: Yeah, thanks for the clarification. And obviously, our audience appreciates the transparency. Uh, before I let you go, I have one more last question for you: Is do you, with all all the tech earnings going on, do you have any thoughts on the tech sector? I mean, we're, we saw Meta, we we have Apple. Uh, we're filming this on Thursday, so Apple's after the close today. But we've seen in Google, we've seen all of these tech, and obviously, like digital ad spins playing a big role. Like, any interest in the tech sector from you?
1: So. Uh, My fund, Massive Capital, we just invest in energy materials and industrials. So I only keep like a a vague eye on the tech sector. I would say that any commentary I have on tech is probably not worth listening to. Um, I don't even know. I don't even think I own any tech. Um, (laughs) That's all right. I figured
0: I had to to ask. I had to ask. Well, thanks so much, Will. Let's go ahead and leave it there. Thanks for taking the time to come on, share your insights with us today, and you have a good weekend. All right. Absolutely. You too. Now let's head over to Seeking Alpha's own Kim Khan for next week's Catalyst Watch. Hey,
2: Daniel. Um, it's a really busy week and it's not easing up too much next week. Um, the big economic indicator is going to be the jobs number, um, which is they're looking for about 255 k for a gain in payrolls. It's taking on a little more importance. Basically, because we've just seen, you know, two consecutive quarters of contraction in GDP. A lot of talk about softening the economy, but you know, our old friend Fred, Chief Jay Powell is still looking at the robust labor market. So he's you know be watching those closely to see if you know if those keep softening. We've seen elevated claims numbers. If the you know the labor market shows a a little um, dip, then we might see some you know reigning in of the terminal rate on the Fed and some smaller rate hikes. Uh, in the future, and then also next week, uh, this is going to be uh, a really interesting earnings call. Um, I'm going to be watching it with great interest. It's from AMC Entertainment. I know we talk a lot about movies on Catalyst Watch, anyway, but this is going to be interesting because of the makeup of its rabid investor base, the AMC Apes, and also a promise by um, the CEO, uh, Adam Aaron, that you know it would he would do something eventually to kind of bust out all the AMC short sellers. And and he said, you know, their code word for this is kind of when pounce. And he said the pounce is coming but not before the second quarter earnings are out. So next Thursday, you know, the earnings are out and there will be the earnings call people are are anticipating some kind of announcement don't know quite what it is you might see a run-up in the stock ahead hoping that there's going to be some catalyst for a squeeze um there's talk on the wall street bets board about some you know a possible takeover i find that unlikely because it's hard to put together a deal and have actually nobody kind of reporting that that, you know on the block more likely it's he's, he's mentioned a dividend in either cash or even gift cards or an nft so we might see something like that
0: I'm gonna take a uh, a page out of Jordan Peele's book here and say nope <laughs> um <laughs> I mean I'm looking across but I mean short interest is uh, up to 19.6 percent Shares short 101 million two days to cover on that front looking at the earnings estimates here uh looks like they're looking for EPS around negative 20 cents a share revenue estimate of 1.17 billion they've seen four down revisions in the last uh 90 days one up revision interesting to see if we get a comment from the person that did improvise the revision before earnings Um, that'll be one to watch for sure
2: yeah definitely and you know it's you know it kind of reminds me of like you know the old days back when um, overstock CEO kind of went out went and took on short sellers of his stock and, um, you know, kind of likened them to Sith Lords at the time. Um, you know, this is another interesting one of a CEO getting very vocal, saying that, you know, that these people are crazy. The movie business is, is back, pointing to Top Gun, pointing to um, Thor Love and Thunder and saying, you know, kind of like tweeting hashtag choke on that. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I mean, if the first question is indeed on the earnings call, when pounce? I mean
0: come out with an announcement, like all movie tickets from here on out are now on the blockchain. And if you don't use it, you don't see the movies. See what what that'll do to you. All right, Kim, thanks so much. You have a great weekend.
2: You too. Thanks.
0: All right. Now, before we get out of here, please do us a favor. Like, subscribe, follow, comment, leave a podcast rating review, depending on where you're watching or listening to this content. It helps us get this content out to other investors like yourself. And until next week, I'm Daniel Snyder, and this is Weekend Bite. Stay safe and have a good weekend. Oh,